Hi guys. Hi. Welcome to another episode of the Kawaii Cast. That's right. Boy, Candace, what are we going to do tonight? Uh, same thing we do every night. Talk about fucking weeb trash. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad you caught on to my joke there. <laughs> I, of course I did. Uh, so speaking of Kawaii, we are basing today's episode off of... Something uh, very kawaii. Yeah. Uh, actually, the creators of this show have actually built their entire foundation off the idea of creating characters who were cute and teaching adults that it is okay to like cute things. That's right. So, and the series we're talking about today is Agretzko. Woo! Which, I love this show. Oh, specifically we're talking about the Netflix series and not the online shorts. Yes. But, uh... Now, we, we should probably specify that this is Sanrio. Isn't Sanrio, like, a specific company or whatever? Yes, Sanrio is a specific company. Uh, they actually is initially were a toy building company. Uh, the founder of Sanrio uh, had this idea to make small gifts for people who wanted just to give something... Uh, either for special occasions or just gifts to friends. Uh, the idea was that the smaller the gift, the happier and cuter the person would be. Well, you see, I, I, there's there's a very solid theory to that, too, because if, if you've ever noticed, smaller things are cuter. Yeah. Like, it does, doesn't matter what it is, you know? Like, I've seen small bottles of Tabasco sauce. It's just instantly cuter. Absolutely. And his whole philosophy was this idea that cute should belong to everybody and not just children. Which, mind you, since Sanrio is a company that's over 50 years old, this really was a new idea for its time. Uh, of course, its most famous mascot would be Hello Kitty. Yes. Yes. Of course. <laughs> Who, who doesn't know about Hello Kitty? Right? A uh, fun history about Sanrio is that despite how popular Hello Kitty was in Japan, he always struggled to try to bring his merchandise over to America. He actually almost went bankrupt numerous times just trying to bring his stuff to America. Really? That's actually kind of crazy because yeah. i know so many people that love hello kitty oh absolutely hello kitty has taken the whole world by storm is actually the most famous mascot aside from i believe disney's mickey mouse yeah i can see it I'm, yeah i wouldn't be surprised i think ultimately uh the thing that ended up selling it was actually a movement in japan where everybody wanted to just be cute like, uh, idol girls had become a new thing. Everybody wanted to be adorable. It was actually this trend. I remember the trend was actually named after a specific train station where the trend had really become popular, but I can't remember it off the top of my head. Yeah. So, well, I, if, even if you could remember it, you probably couldn't pronounce it. Probably. <laughs> <laughs> but Sonrio sent a message to the world that it's okay for adults to be kawaii. And I think that resonates with our podcast a lot. Yes, it does. You keep you know, dropping hence, hence the nowhere. title. It's not my <laughs> fault. I, I don't have enough table space, okay? I feel like we don't talk about enough cute things on this show. Yeah, that's true. I mean, we've, we've gone over, like, pretty boys and, like, badass characters. But we haven't really touched on the, the cuteness. 
Yeah, so I really, really want to do a full Sanrio episode, but I realized I'm probably the only person who knows anything about Sanrio. <laughs> yeah, Tyler doesn't really know Sanrio. I've had a cropey keychain on my keyring since high school. I I know Hello Kitty, and that's about do it. Do you know Choco Cat? No. I feel like you would love Choco Cat. No, I don't. He's so cute, <laughs> a little black cat. I love Choco Cat. Well, uh, I mean, I do love cats. But, uh, fun fact, uh, Sanrio actually keeps records of who was the most popular Sanrio character every single year, and Kuropi was the most popular Sanrio character the year I was born. Uh, that explains a lot. Yeah, he's my favorite! He's a little frog, and I love Is, him. Now, do, how, do, how do they keep track of that? Is it, like, selling data, like, data from items that they've sold, or is it a poll, or, like, how how do they keep track of who's most popular? It might be both, actually. It okay. would be a combination of sales records plus uh, fan surveys. But Not to be uh, confused with fan service. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so Sonrio has a deep history. It started off as a door-to-door pitch. Like, literally, they would try to sell these things door-to-door to people. Back when the first time they tried to come to the U.S. Kind of like condoms. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know how. Did in, they really try to sell condoms door to door? In Japan, there was a point when they would tr- were trying to sell condoms door to door. Oh, that's weird. But they were yeah. they were doing door to door here in the U.S. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> As they felt it was the only way they could actually sell this product. And I think the funniest thing about Sanrio, especially Hello Kitty, is that there are so many celebrities that will, like, wear Hello Kitty stuff and buy Hello Kitty merchandise and, like, show off a lot of their Hello Kitty pride. Uh, none of them are endorsed by Sanrio. Yeah, um, in- interesting thing. <laughs> I, I read that, uh, Sanrio is actually very strict on their merchandise. Mm-hmm. So, if, if you are thinking about making a booth at, you know, your local convention and selling... Sanrio merchandise. Mm-hmm. I advise against it. Oh, absolutely. Because if they find out, they will sue. Yeah, uh, that's that's kind of the double-edged sword. Is that they don't pay celebrities to like their stuff, but at the same time, they're very protective of their label. Yep, it's it's um kind of a weird thing because you know on on the one hand with celebrities, it's it's kind of like a like free free advertisement, but you know mm-hmm. other like free artists that are, you know, trying to take advantage or just even really like it, you know, they they can't really take it, you know, get the full benefit from it. Yeah, it's it's definitely crazy to think that they have that strict of hold, but honestly, I think it's because of their history, like, looking into their history, a lot of people that were fans honestly became, like, their biggest marketers, and I think they're at the point where it's like, if you're good enough and you love Sanrio enough you could probably get a job there. So you probably shouldn't just be selling stuff independently. <laughs> so. oh, now, but... it, it, it does seem to have a, a very distinct art style. It does. Uh, although there was one anime that I don't even know the title, but I had no idea it was Sanrio until recently. Uh, I think most people have seen the GIF, but it's this like, little cat girl with like purple hair and she's doing like this little dance where she's just like 
Oh. I know that the audience can't see me doing I, that. I, I know which one you're talking about. But she's just doing this cute little bubbly dance where she's, like, shaking her arms in the air, and then she, like, shakes her arms down below. And oh, what's, what's that show called? I want to say Show by Rock, something like that? Something like that, yeah. I had no I idea had, that was Sanrio until I recently. had no idea. Yeah. That's crazy to think about. And so it's kind of interesting because Sanrio hasn't had a great record in the anime industry. Well, yeah, I was going to ask, does Hello Kitty have a, an anime or anything? It, it does. Uh, although a lot of the creative heads at Sanrio didn't really get a lot of say. I know one of the biggest controversies was the animators pretty much told the woman in charge of Hello Kitty's brand that they couldn't animate her unless they gave her a mouth. And that was one of her signature things, was that she didn't have a mouth. And that caused a huge, like, set of drama when the anime came out, was that she was animated with a moving, talking mouth, and everybody lost their mind over it. Yeah, that's funny. So she actually, like, really pressed for the animation, or the anime to be completely, like, discontinued, because she felt it was hurting Hello Kitty's image. I see. Yeah. So, uh, something I did learn, or fun fact though, I did actually watch the anime when I was a kid. It did in fact have an English dub. Was, was, was it any good? It was your typical little kid show. Okay. I mean, it didn't have a very strong narrative. It's not something I would recommend to adults, but I mean, they, most of the episodes were kind of like parodies of already popular things like Jack and the Beanstalk and Alice in Wonderland and stuff like that. So it was pretty fun for kids to watch and... Uh, every now and again, it introduced other characters, like the big ones were her family members, uh, like her mom, dad, and her twin sister, Mimi. But, for the most part, like, any other characters that would get involved were just kind of extras and weren't really part of the story. In fact, that was another, like, fun fact, is that the Sanrio characters are actually not friends. Same with the fact that they're, Hello Kitty is not a cat. What? Yeah. <laughs> the, I'm. That's bullshit. I'm. I'm calling you out on this. Hello no. Kitty is a cat. She's not a cat. She's a little girl that looks like a cat. What? Yeah. She's mutant. Fun fact though, she has a pet cat. That's that. That's like. <laughs> that's like Goofy owning Pluto. Yeah. Oh my shit. <laughs> that is so wrong. So yeah, I have a surprisingly large amount of Sanrio knowledge, if you can tell. <laughs> well, certainly more than me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I I grew up loving Sanrio, so it's... And really, like I was mentioning before, like they've always struggled with actually adapting any of their stuff into anime, because ultimately they were a brand, not a animation studio. Yeah. These characters weren't meant to be brought to life, and they weren't meant to be anything more than packaging. Uh, Hello Kitty did evolve a lot. She became something of an idol in Japan. But for the most part, even that, they were mascot characters. So, and Sanrio could play it up as much as they want, try to add some drama to her life, or try to sell her the same way that uh, companies did Hatsune Miku, but ultimately... She's a mascot. She yeah, she's a mascot. There there is a lot of of her merch. Yeah. Though. No, uh, like I said, it's one of the top selling businesses to ever exist, and she's probably one of the most iconic characters aside from Disney. Yeah. So, 
but last year Sanrio's stock actually dropped about ten percent. That's that's a big drop for yeah. uh, for a company. So it's no surprise that they took a gamble on a full blown anime. Which I think they nailed. I don't know about Absolutely. you, but I've I've already watched this show. Has to have been at least three times. Yeah, this is this is my second time still, but I'm watching the dub for the first time. The dub is really interesting. Like, yeah, it's, it's not bad, and I'd I'd even say go so far as to say it's pretty good. Yeah, you know, there's there's a few things that are are different than the sub, but yeah, it's it's pretty good. And, I mean, we've had discussion about dubs and adaptations on the show before, and I think the message that we've always tried to get across is that things don't have to be the same to be good. Yeah, exactly. And I think this is a really great example of that. I think you could watch the dub and the sub, and while you can pick apart, like, every subtle little difference in the lines and the writing and the acting, ultimately, I don't think one is really better than the other. Yeah. I think um, one of the differences is in, like, the very first episode, you know, sub, you know, she's, she's, you know, her alarm goes off and she's like, uh, you know, hits the snooze. Yeah, and she's like, I don't want to go like, to work. And then she's like, I don't want to go to work. And like, and she's going, okay, the, after the count of 10, I'm going to be a, a productive member of society again. And she yeah. starts counting. And then in the dub, she's just like, as soon as she hits her clock, she's like, work and bite me. Yeah. <laughs> Which I... I relate to that a lot more, but at this, and actually I kind of like it a bit more because I feel like it sells her character a lot better. Yeah. Where like, uh, this, the scene actually sells the character really well in both versions. You see that she has like the convenience store sushi, the empty bottle or cans of beer everywhere. Uh, her place is a mess. She's clearly somebody that's just at that point in adulthood where she's just exhausted all the time. But I feel like that whole extra work and bite me moment really sold the idea that she's kind of on the last straw. Yeah, she's kind of just like right there. She's just trudging through work because she has to. Yeah. And I mean, like I said, both versions absolutely sell it, especially because it doesn't really... It's not subtle. It's not a subtle series at all. Uh, this isn't a series that you really dive too deep into and try to analyze every moment. It's pretty straightforward, and I think one of the best comparisons I've seen to it is it feels like kind of the shows that we grew up with, with as kids, where the message was always just kind of really straightforward, and... Like, hey kids, don't do drugs! Yeah, it was just like these stories about like things that kids deal with. And somebody actually compared it to Arthur, where it used anthropomorphized animal characters. And the stories were all still very, very interesting, but at the end of the day, the message was very clear. Like, I think the one of the most uh, popular episodes I could think of off the top of my head is when everybody's buying like these stupid toys... And Arthur keeps begging his parents for it, and they're like, oh, it's just a fad. You know, it'll move on. And it takes so long, and everybody starts bullying him because he, his parents won't buy him this toy. And eventually and, he and just, like, he... pulls out, like, a bottle cap and starts playing with it. And he's like, oh, this could be just as cool as those toys. And then his parents buy him a toy, the toy finally, and he's like, oh, don't worry, we've already moved on to the next thing. Yeah, like, they, they bought it for him for his birthday or whatever, and yeah. all of a sudden it's like, well, okay, you you were right, it, it was a fad, it's, 
It's over. Yeah, and so it's like the whole episode is actually really entertaining and it has its up and downs, but the characters are really simplistic and they're really relatable and ultimately you know what the message of the episode is by the end of the episode. And Agretzko takes that same formula but applies it to adult situations, like dealing with an asshole boss or trying to lose weight or trying to get a date or even yeah, like dating deal- is hard even things like making friends with your coworkers, or or even so far as stalking like like instagram stalking someone yep i mean all the characters are absolutely interesting i think the stories are interesting but at the end of the day you learn some kind of lesson from it you learn don't talk shit about your boss on TV. As much as you might want to. Yeah. <laughs> don't use the work internet to browse new jobs or talk on forums on how you should quit your job. Which is an extremely tough lesson, I think, for a lot of people. Yeah. It's easy. You shit on the boss's desk. Yeah. Uh, I think even like the episode where she becomes friends with uh, the two top women in the company... These, like, super powerful women, and she kind of keeps giving them the cold shoulder because she doesn't really want to let them into her life. Ultimately, it, Well, it seems like at first she's she's just intimidated by them. Yeah. And that's, like, who wouldn't be? Like, they're the top most, you know, like, the most influential women in the company. So, so I can understand her point of view on that one. Yeah. But I think also at the same time, like, a lot of it was, like, she didn't want them finding out that she really isn't this perfect, sweet model employee that she puts, you know, on every day. That she's actually this crazy girl who goes and sings karaoke Just at night. Fucking loves death metal, okay? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so ultimately, I think a lot of it is that she likes hiding her true self from people. And the message there is that when you open up to people, you gain allies that help you with your struggles. Same same with Haida, though. Like, it, it doesn't really go into it a whole lot, but you see at one point, you know, outside of work, he's, you know, he's got, like, a leather jacket on, and he's, like, sulking as he's walking down the street. Like, like really gangster-like, you oh, know? Yeah. Well, he, he absolutely was the personification of the nice guys finish last trope. Yeah. And it even points out the fact that that is a negative trait. That this idea that he's sulking over the fact that Retsko gets a boyfriend and that he was too late. And he he does become that personification of nice guys finish last. It, he gets injured because of it. And ultimate, Poor guy. Ultimately, he learns to just accept Retsko's feelings. Like, if she really does love this guy... He doesn't have to be happy about it, but he should at least be supportive of it. Yeah. And again, so the message another, is another, very clear. Another life lesson. Yeah. And in the end, he, you know, she actually starts to notice him a little bit. Yeah. So maybe I the mean, nice guy's the, the, the finishing series, last isn't a bad thing. The series does end on a little cliffhanger where... He basically confesses her feelings to his feelings to her. Yeah. But I also really want to talk about how they handle romance, actually, while we're on the subject of it. Because uh, Retsuko, initially her interest in romance started with this idea that 
if she marries a guy who's well off, then she won't have to work anymore. And so ultimately, she's just trying to find quick solutions to a big problem. And that is a flawed part of her character. Like, she's not this flawless person. She's an adult who's learning how to adult. And Adulting she's making, is hard. And she's making a lot of mistakes while she does it, too. And that's the thing, is, like, all these characters that are seen as, like, assholes or evil or the people that feel like they're against her, they all have their own reason for being the way that they are. And, you know, in their perspective, she's the thorn in their side. Yeah. So this whole scene where she's claiming that she's going to get married so she could quit her job is actually a very, very bad thing because, one, she's using whatever guy she's going to end up with. Two, she completely ignores uh, Haida's feelings. And three... Yeah, and it's it's kind of funny mentioning that is, like, between the uh, the sub and dub. Like, sub, when they have their little conversation, you know, she, she kind of... She's more vague about it. Yeah. But then in the dub, she's kind of just... She, she kind of teases him. She's like, hey, what would you do if we were together? You know, and like, <laughs> would you want me to still work? And, you know, he says, oh, yeah, I'd, I'd want you to still work, you Aww. know. And <laughs> and then, you know, she just kind of brushes it off as nothing. So, yeah. it's like, like I said, she kind of just leads him on for no reason in the <laughs> English. See, yeah, poor guy. Like, seriously. I mean, so even, like, his whole negative trait of being, like, the nice guy finished last guy is completely justified because... He's kind of treated like crap from the girl that he has feelings for. Yeah, poor schmuck. So, <laughs> protein. protein. Okay, what is with this guy, though? Like, he's he's this kangaroo yoga instructor, but he's more of a bodybuilder. And I don't know what he's doing, but he achieves, like, some sort of, like, higher, like, plane of existence where he just he just knows shit through meditating he's the master of yoga well i i didn't know yoga bestowed that power upon you yeah when when did that happen it wouldn't become popular over in america oh okay yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, once it hit the west it became this enlightenment <clears throat> method you know yeah. So so But it only works if you do yoga in Japan. <laughs> only yoga in Japan. So if I go and do yoga in Japan, I'll suddenly be able to see through time and space. If you're good at it. Shit. <laughs> if you I've never if you been, absorb enough protein. I have never been good at a single thing in my life. <laughs> uh back on like the topic I was talking about with the romance, uh I actually really, really love the arc in the show where she does end up dating that guy from work. I think ultimately it's just one of my favorite parts of the entire show. It starts off really well with her going to a singles mixer with her Fennekin friend who is just... She is, like, the epitome of, like, don't want to socialize. Like, she's... She's the person who sits there and stares at her phone all the time and makes fun of normies and... Same. Like, she's, she feels like the most introverted character, but the moment one of the guys gives her a compliment, 
she completely switches into a different person. <laughs> yeah. And I feel that on a spiritual level. Like, this idea that she's not just a two-dimensional kind of rude character, but that she's also kind of human. Like, when people pay her compliments, she responds to it. And even though she hates single mixers, she genuinely had a fun time. Yeah, uh, and, and like speaking of which, she she did go to that single mixer with Retsko to basically to protect, sabotage to it, sabotage yeah. it. So so Haida, you know, wouldn't wouldn't be left out, you know, while Retsko got a boyfriend at this mixer, she, right? You know. <laughs> So, even even her motives completely changed the moment somebody started paying attention to her. And I'm like, I always loved that. That was such an odd character trait, but looking back, I'm like, it was probably one of the greatest parts of the show, was just seeing this character who was just so stale and maniacal and evil just kind of go 180. Yeah. Same with uh, the, like, Goody Two-Shoes suck-up girl, the Doe. Oh, yeah. always kissing up to people. And ultimately, when we get a chance alone with her, we find out that not only is she aware that people think of her as a suck-up, but she's embraced it. She knows that uh, the Fennec is, like, like, stalking her on social media so she could have dirt on her. She knows that people talk shit about her behind her back. She uses it. Yeah. And, and like, she even... You, you notice it at some point in the series where she she does use it, you know? She's sucking up to the boss, like, Oh, you're so amazing. Oh, by the way, I didn't finish this. Will you help me? Yeah. And, you know, she just hands it off to the boss, and then the boss then hands it off to Retsko, which, dick move. But... Still, you know, it's it's like she she used her her suck up to get out of work. Yeah, and at first we're seeing this as like a very evil thing, like oh my god, this girl is part of the problem. But then when we actually get to know her, we find out she's very very much part of the solution. That as opposed to just calling her out and hating her, we should be embracing her style. She's yeah, she's manipulative, but she's a girl working in the man's industry yeah. she's just using what she's got and and it does touch on that you can't like not it's not for every girl mm-hmm. you know retsko tries doing the same thing and it just it backfires, it backfires. <laughs> well and then uh because i keep getting sidetracked but retsko ends up dating this guy from work because she met him at the singles mixer and we're seeing from most people's perspective that this guy is just dull. Yeah, he's just he's like really boring. boring. He he doesn't yeah. doesn't talk much. He's kind of oblivious. He doesn't you know, he he doesn't notice some things like hey, Retsko's in pain. She wants to sit down. Yeah. And he's like, She's "Oh, cold. well, we she can just keep going." Yeah. Uh but ultimately Retsko is blinded by the idea that the first real experience she had with him uh, was when she got way too drunk and he took care of her and he nurtured her. and So from that moment on, that's the only version she can see. And it's it's become blinding to her and she doesn't, she fails to realize that he's actually very neglective. And something that she didn't even really get to see, but we as the audience got to see was that he wasn't even going to the singles mixer with the intention of getting a girlfriend. 
His friends dragged him along because they were concerned about him. They were concerned that if he didn't start dating, he'd become one of those shut-in weirdos. So... Hey, I, I'm feeling personally attacked here. <laughs> <laughs> so ultimately, like, him getting a date was more because he was just trying to prove to his friends that he'd be okay. More than he... So that he was interested in Retzko. Yeah. And the thing is, he's not a bad guy. He's not the guy for Retzko. And he was a very neglective boyfriend, but ultimately what he wanted to be, which is just this guy who goes home and takes care of his plants, he's actually a very, very nice guy. He's actually a very good guy. He's just not the it kind of guy wasn't you date. a good match for Retzko. And maybe he'll find some girl that really loves plants, and they'll work out together. But... I, I gotta hand it to his co-worker, though, the bobcat. Mm -hmm. Like, really pushing him into the dating scene. And you're like, hey, you know, he's he's like, hey, go go ask her out. She's clearly got the hots for you, you know? Yeah. Like, hey, when when you go on the date, do this. And, you know, he's, like, giving her pointers. Like, he's, he's a total wingman. Right? You know? Like, I don't... I genuinely don't feel like there's any characters in this show that are just bad. I really, really like the CEO of the company, too, who's just coming up with these, like, really insane ideas to try to improve <laughs> his company's morale. But they don't work out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Also, the fact that his secretary is literally a secretary bird. Which was driving Tyler crazy. It was. It was driving me so nuts. I had to try to look it up, and I just, I couldn't find it. And eventually, I just gave up, and it was, what, a week later? Yeah. When you told me, and I'm like, how the shit did I not find that? Right? <laughs> I honestly had never heard of a secretary bird before that. Uh, yeah. It's, uh, I, I don't know if it's just because it's such a... Uh, an out-of-place animal, or if it's endangered, I'm not sure. It, but yeah, you just, you don't hear about secretary birds. Yeah, some, somebody do research on secretary birds. Let us know, because seriously, I'd never heard of a secretary bird before. Then again, I'd also never heard of an ibis until that one song came out. <laughs> ibis. Ibises are the magpies of Australia. Yeah, it sounds like it. <laughs> <laughs> garbage birds anyways my hatred for magpies aside <laughs> <laughs> but yeah i mean not only was this show just a complete like shock for people that were already big sonrio fans but also it was definitely their first really big impression when it came to the anime industry they had done some shorts that had made their way online. Like, if you watch uh, Gutama. Gutama, the egg. the lazy egg. Yes. Uh, their shorts are always pretty good, but ultimately, nothing compared to the quality of this. Yeah. Um... And I also uh, like to point out the fact that the history of Sonrio has always been this idea of letting adults be cute... And it's always been targeted towards the idea of changing perspectives of how adults think and changing this mentality that Japan has of, like, the daily grind. 
This series almost embraces more of that tradition. Yeah. Like, the characters are all cute, but they're trying to just be down-and-dirty normal people. And I find that interesting, like, learning about Sanrio's history and then comparing it to the messages of this show. Well, it's it's kind of interesting seeing that everyone, they all do have this uh, mask they put on it at, while they're at work, too. You yeah. You know, like, you, you, you can see... Retsuko, she almost nightly goes to a karaoke bar and sings death metal. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's it seems very out of character compared to her her work persona, where she she goes home and she's just or she goes to work and she's very um, obedient, com- obedient, yeah, complacent. So she just kind of like okay, yes. Yes, boss, I'll get this done. You know, and it's it's almost the the same thing with the the her two friends, the you know, the the secretary bird and the gorilla. Mm-hmm. You know, you see the secretary at one scene, you know, they're walking down, you know, the hallway and the gorilla stops and she kind of bends over. She's like, "Oh, man, doing this walk is killer on my back." And she's like, just push through it. We can't show any sign of weakness. I'll get you a good chiropractor. <laughs> exactly. I love those two. They are hands down the best characters. Right? Especially because later in the series, too, we also see the gorilla, you know, basically bear herself out to Retsko by being like, oh, I need to sleep over to your place. I just had a guy dump me. My whole <laughs> life is over. I just can't deal with this stuff. And the next day at work, she's perfectly fine. And it's just like... Oh, the freaking deer. I love her. I know. Like, there's so many characters that you you can't help but love in this show. Like, I, I don't know. For me, personally, my two favorites are Fennico and Washimi. You know, the, the Fennec Fox and the Secretary Bird. Oh, same. Uh, the Fennec Fox is, hands down, my favorite character just because I love her perspective on, like, how you can use Instagram to basically gauge your enemy's weakness how uh, her I, idea for getting ahead of in life is to learn as much information about other people as possible so they can't attack her she takes a very very defensive approach which i believe ties in a lot to the idea that when people do get close to her she tends to show a lot sweeter side and tends to be a bit more honest with them and even lets them in on the, her darker secrets, like she does with Retsko, telling her about, you know, other people's Instagram information and how to get ahead of them. Yeah. Or even just the fact that, you know, not necessarily uses that, you know, information she gets from Instagram for, you know, finding weaknesses, but just finding habit you know like yeah. like she's talking about the the little deer character and she's like oh every 13 days she posts a lap photo yeah you know which means like, that she's obviously trying to attract a guy yeah <laughs> well she even points out the fact that her habits tend to change which means something new happened in her life that those typical patterns that people do impulsively without thinking about it, when something really big happens to you, then you tend to change those impulses. Yeah. 
So for, in this case, uh, she was posting a lap photo, as you said, every 13 days, but then after the major office party, she started posting it more often, meaning... Yeah, like, she posted it three days early or something, where it's yeah, like... Yeah, meaning that she was trying to lure a guy in. Office party. <laughs> Did, is, is that a thing? Like, I, I don't know if it happens here in America, where... Like, they, they have an office party here in, in the show, and they all basically go and get drunk and sing karaoke. Like, is that a thing in here in America? I think it depends on uh, where you go. I don't think... Um, I'm pretty sure they're not funded by companies in America. Like, companies don't uh, actively... They don't pay for every employee to go to the yeah. bar and drink. And they also don't uh, set up the schedule or the plans themselves. But I do know a lot of uh, companies where uh, teams will become close enough that usually their bosses or supervisors will try to schedule something for team bonding. I know when I worked at a call center, my boss would do that. Like, he actually wanted to start a bowling team with the people that was in my, like, department. That would be fun. Yeah. I'm kind of sad that I don't, I didn't work there when the bowling team actually started up, so. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, that was like one of his big hobbies was bowling, and so he told people, he's like, we should start a bowling team with just the people here at work, and we could go out to the bowling alley, and we can drink, and if you guys don't want to play, you could just sit there and watch and eat and drink, whatever, you know, we'll, we'll all pitch in money, take care of it. Uh, if we could get a full team, we can get, like, sponsors or whatever, and they could pay for our games, but... Yeah, so, I, I do know companies tend to do stuff like that here in America. It's not really common to go to a bar or to a restaurant. Okay. Uh, my old job also did things where once a month we would do potlucks at work. So, like, the teams would... Like, each department would take turns with potlucks, which is why we usually only did it once a month, because, like, our day would be different from the other department's days. Yeah. And we would inform the company ahead of time that our department was going to be doing it on a certain day. Oh, okay. Yeah. So that would get us off the phones for, like, an hour, which was nice. <laughs> yeah, I'll bet. <laughs> <laughs> I know if you're anything like me, you, you have a hard time talking on the phone. Mm-hmm. Uh, Call centers are a nightmare. Don't do them. Love yourself more than that. Love, love <laughs> yourself more than that. Yes. So, I mean, needless to say, when it comes to my working life and my personality and everything I struggle with in the world, I absolutely relate to Retsko. On a very deep level, I definitely am the type of person that tries to fake my way through my shifts, tries to put on this face of the person I'm not, and then at the end of the day, I just want to do something to get all the frustration out. Yes. Whether it be venting on social media, or playing games aggressively, or drawing, or any of that stuff. Mm -hmm. Or watching anime like... Gretzko. <laughs> you mean you don't go to the karaoke bar and just sing Joke on my rage! Joke on my rage! <laughs> oh, I can't even do that. That would absolutely kill my voice it after would. talking to people all day. I, I don't know how Retzko still has a cute little voice. <laughs> right? But, God, this show is just... 
it's I don't feel like it's a show for teens. It's no, it's, definitely it's, not it, a show it, for kids. It's definitely aimed towards adults because adults know what it's like to have that that working life. Yeah. You know. And I think for me personally, I love the fact that Sanrio grew up with me. And I love the people certain people that are specifically listening to this episode. Yes, I know you're listening to this episode, Stefan, and I know that you're still paying attention because you love us and you really like supporting all the things that we do. I know that certain people like you have gone into Sanrio because of shows like this, because they are so different from the brands that you were fed growing up as a kid, thinking that everything just had to be about this cat with a bow on her head, or... A frog. No, she's not a cat, remember? She's a <laughs> she's kid a, that looks like... She's a little like... girl that looks like a cat. <laughs> but or... yes, we, we are totally calling you out, Stefan. So, maybe you're not a Sanrio boy. <laughs> but Yet. We... This, this has been your gateway into Sanrio. I love that this company has created something for everybody. And I love that it's something that I could relate to when I was a kid, and it's something I could relate to as an adult. Yeah, see, I just, I couldn't get into any of this stuff as a kid because it seemed a, a lot of it was, wasn't really aimed towards my interests. Yeah. You know, I, I, I don't want to say it was aimed towards girls because, you know, I'm, I'm trying to be progressive here. Oh, and there totally were boys that were super into Sanrio. Exactly. Yeah, like, uh, I, I'm going to screw up this name, but, uh, Pom Pom Puri? I believe uh, the little yellow dog from Sanrio was absolutely targeted to Earth's boys. Same with Kuropi and Chaco Cat. Yeah, but it just, I, I didn't catch an interest for it. Yeah. You know, and, until this show, naturally. I feel like you would have liked Pom Pom Puri. He was a dog and his most, uh, like, I guess famous character trait was his little butthole. No. <laughs> Was it a little X? It was like a little star. <laughs> of course. So so was he actually a dog, or was he like Hello Kitty, where he's just a little kid that looks like a dog? I think he was actually a dog. <laughs> okay. Just like I think Kuropi was actually a frog, and I am on board with the idea that Hello Kitty actually was a cat. I think they tried to rewrite that lore because they wanted to give her a cat. <laughs> and... It was weird for a cat to own a cat, so they tried to claim that she wasn't a cat. Yeah, okay, fair enough. Also, another fun fact about Hello Kitty, she's not Japanese. She is British. I was, I was gonna say, is she, like, Russian? No, she's British. Okay. Seems, seems like every foreigner in Japan is either British, Russian, or American. Oh, she didn't live in Japan either. She lived in London. Really? Yeah. Wow, shows how much I know about Hello Kitty. Yeah, I guess the idea was that at the time, a lot of like girls in Japan dreamed about living in Europe. It was like just one of those like high fantasy things. So Hello Kitty was branded as being British. Okay, that's yeah. interesting. I never would have guessed. Yeah. Uh, the English dub actually did a really good job of keeping like an English accent for her as well. So. Was, was it a fancy English accent, or was it like your... It was just pretty standard. Or was it your Cockney English? Oh, it definitely wasn't Cockney. It was just pretty standard. Okay. I don't know. 
Uh, the the Cockney, I think, is like what everybody in America thinks British people sound like. <laughs> yeah, it's, ter- it's such a terrible accent. And from my understanding, it actually doesn't exist in England anymore. Really? Yeah, like I there's s- there's a lot of accents, but it's really hard to find someone who actually still speaks like that. That's crazy. I did not know that. Yeah, we're learning things, you guys. Yeah, even... I'm teaching Tyler all about uh, that little girl named Hello Kitty. <laughs> and and I'm teaching Candace all about accents. Yeah. Which I I tried to do an accent in our last episode, and then when I listened to it, I was like, I really shouldn't have tried to do <laughs> You're going, I butchered that. <laughs> if I ever slip into an accent, you guys, please don't be offended. It is actually just my brain just forgetting to be a decent person. If if I ever slip into an accent, it's just me trying to be funny. I'm not funny. He's, he really isn't. <laughs> I don't know why he's still here. Stefan, please. I'm begging you. Please. <laughs> I don't know why I'm still here either. <laughs> oh, it's all in good fun. So, I mean, I've been talking a lot about the history of uh, Sanrio and why I like this show, but honestly, if you could describe why somebody should be watching this show, why would you, what would you say? Um, I, I, I guess it would be, it's so relatable. Mm-hmm. You know, like you said, you relate to Retsuko. Um, I, I feel like there's, there's gonna be that, any character that you can, you know, connect with. Whether it's Haida, whether it's Retsko, whether it's the the bobcat that's giving <laughs> Retsko's boyfriend's dating advice, you know? I'm going to take a wild guess for the character you relate to and say it's Fenico. Yeah, it is. I love <laughs> Fenico. I love Fenico, too. My favorite thing in the world is her, like, really horrible laugh. Like, ha, 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 ha. <laughs> <laughs> If, also, if you just look for a gif of it, yeah, you'll find it. <laughs> also, just really fun fact that I think is interesting about the dub. Uh, the voice actor who played the, like, nasty pig boss was also Roadhog in Overwatch. Yep, which is totally awesome. Yeah, he just really likes playing pigs. Don't we all? Well, not me. Cause... <laughs> I don't know, orcs are like pigs, right? I guess. Kind of. I remember playing an orc on uh, old MMOs, so... Well, I mean, Roadhog's not actually a pig. Just looks like one. He just... Yeah, he's just... He's a fat guy that wears a pig mask. Yes, fat guy has more health and armor than the big guy with the giant (laughs) shield and armor. Everybody knows that being fat means that people can't touch you tyler you're right you know you just you you punch into them and their fat just absorbs your fist yep it's like a what's called a shock absorber (laughs) (laughs) i don't think that's how it works i do kind of want to talk about the boss a little bit though because i feel like he's probably the least relatable character but the show didn't try to paint him purely as a villain he's this guy that he started off as your typical Japanese industry worker, the guy that just slaved the nine-to-five job, who was taught how to do things in a very traditional way, 
uh, basically grew up on this idea of everything being done a certain way. You kind way. of grew up in a workplace where women weren't allowed, mm-hmm. where... Where you have to hold the beer bottle label up. Yeah. Everything he's been taught in his life has been taught that there's a purpose for it, and that this is just the way the world works, and... He worked his way up the corporate ladder by holding those traditions strongly. So when he sees, you know, the industry change, so they're becoming dependent on computers and women working their way to the top simply because they can hold their heads high or because they're good with technology, it it starts to get to the point in his life where he just doesn't feel like he has a place in this company, so he has to plant himself firm to where he's sitting, so nobody takes that away from him. Yeah, I mean, it it does, he does even talk about how he, he can't do the same thing with his employees that his boss did with him. Yeah. You know, like, he, he, his boss was really demanding, obviously, you know, and he just, he can't do the same thing with his employees that, you know, because they get away with, you know, if, if he does, it's a, uh, he's overstepping his powers or, you yeah. know, something. and he could lose his job from that. So, I think that's interesting. Like, I think that it touches on a subject that I think we here in America have experienced, but I don't think to the level that they have in Japan, where... Because of the way the economy works. Well, well, it's not just the economy. It's it's also that Japan has come so far in such a short amount of time. The whole world has too. Like. Yeah, but I mean, especially Japan. I mean, mm-hmm. you you consider, you know, America. We you know we were formed. We formed as a country in 1776. You know, mm-hmm. so by this time we had already had, you know, rifles and you know whatever. So by the 1800s, when photos, you know, are starting to come, like photography is starting to come around. You know, we've obviously got like six shooters and stuff. And at this time in the 1800s in Japan, they they still didn't have this same level of technology because they had shut themselves off from the world. Yeah. So, be because of that, they've now, you know, after opening themselves up to the world again, their, their entire culture has come so far in such a short amount of time. Yeah. You know, it, it hasn't had time to, you know, slowly... Advance, you, you know, it hasn't had time to make the adjustments. Yeah. I think also, uh, kind of on that subject, like, this idea of, like, uh, women being in the workplace and all that stuff has changed in such a quick amount of time. Uh, fun fact, even after Japan had opened up the country and people started exploring, women had not been out of the country of Japan until after World War II. That's insane. Yeah. Wow. So, uh, there was actually, like, records of the first women who left Japan to explore America. And they basically were told when they get to America, they had to make something of themselves. 
they had to start working and they had to prove to the world like that they could do that. So when they came back to Japan after all these years of being working women in the industry, uh, they basically were unrecognizable from other Japanese women because Japanese women still were practicing a lot more of their traditional roles and behaving the way that women were told to behave in Japan. And these women had worked their way up to becoming, you know, working class citizens. Yeah. And it was just absolutely insane. And they were some of the women that changed the way that Japan run or was run as a country. They were some, you know, so I think a lot of these movements hit Japan a lot later than it did in America. And I think even then, there's so many corporations and people in Japan that really want to hold on to a lot of those old traditions because it is who they are as a culture. And I think even looking towards a lot of anime, you can see a lot of that. They still teach their history in anime. They still teach, you know, even like religious things, like the idea that they have to keep a photo of their loved ones after they pass and the shrines and all of that stuff. So, I mean, we kind of got a little bit off subject, but I definitely see that that is something that could be a good reference point for why this guy is such a dick. <laughs> yeah. I hate women so freaking much. Oh, somebody's uh, going to save a clip of that. Yeah, probably. <laughs> it's not, I, I'm quoting the... Uh, the the pig boss. Oh, doesn't matter, talk. Tyler. It's on the internet. Yeah, it's, it's true. It's on the internet. They, <laughs> they, they have evidence they, that you said it. They, unless I delete it. That's true. You could put just the hold music over it, or the <laughs> technical difficulties. Technical difficulties music over it. That's right. <laughs> nah, because then it just wouldn't be the same. I also love uh, the fact that the boss is super into rap in the same way that Retzko is super into death metal. Yeah. That it is, in fact, his way of venting all of his frustrations. And mind you, I can't tell you if it's good rap or not. <laughs> I don't yeah. know anything about rap. And I also want to know where the fuck these backup singers came from. They just follow him around, duh. You mean you don't have backup singers that follow you everywhere? Not anymore. What, what'd you do with them? That's a long story. <laughs> did, did you have to use them as a uh, emergency food supply? Not that serious, no. Uh, but, I mean, it, it does involve a very interesting tale about foreign espionage and a train. A train. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Make an anime about that. They, don't tempt them. <laughs> <laughs> I also just kind of want to talk about, uh, can we give kudos to Netflix for really embracing the idea that they do have a target audience for this stuff? I mean, Netflix has probably been the worst company when it comes to anime releases. They absolutely refuse to embrace the idea of simulcast. They refuse to embrace the idea that... If they're not willing to provide an anime during the time that it's releasing, that maybe they shouldn't buy the rights to that anime. Yeah. And it feels like I've missed out on a lot of shows because they just come out so late that I fail to get on the hype train for them. 
Yeah, exactly. A good example of that would be Violet Evergarden, a series that I was really excited to see and I still have not watched. The same. Yeah. So, seeing a lot more of this Netflix original stuff, such as Devilman Crybaby and Gretzko, both top-tier shows, both top-tier anime, stuff that I just, I can't stop saying enough good things about and have clearly gotten the attention of the anime community in a big way, they found their market. Yeah, they did. Um... I was going to say something here and then forgot. <laughs> I have that effect on people. I don't think it was you. Maybe. Rude. Yeah. Rude. It's just me. I'm, I'm a terrible person. You are a terrible person. Stefan, please. I mean, I don't know why he's still here. <laughs> oh, shut up. <laughs> you basically live with me. That's true. <laughs> You have to put up with me one way or another. <laughs> I don't have a ton of things to say about the animation. I know animation is supposed to be my field of expertise. and The animation is actually really, really fantastic. But it's one of those things that I don't really have a lot to say about. It's so simple. and I don't think I've seen anybody really take any negative jabs at it. I think something that I really like that's unique is these, like, little, like, paint splatter textures that they put over, like, the filter when she's singing death metal. Uh-huh. I think that adds an interesting touch that the uh, shorts did not have. But I think there's just, there's not really a whole lot for me to talk about with the animation. I think it's just solid. And I have no idea what you're talking about, because I'm just a pleb. Yeah, that's true. I, I can only say if I like it or not. It's how I do. Do you like it? I have no complaints. Yeah. Like, it's... it's seems think... seems pretty fluid, you know? It's not, like, three frames a second. I just... I think I can't really talk about anything that people just can't figure out for themselves from watching it. I think a lot of, like, animation I can look at and think, like, man, let me tell you about this and let me tell you why it's good. I think you can just watch this and figure out why it's good. It's pretty straightforward. Yeah. I want to know what program they use to animate it, though. You could probably find that somewhere. Yeah. I'll probably look into that. To, to the Google. Not right now, but sometime. Yeah. Actually, uh, right now. You keep talking. You know how bad how that went the last time you told me to keep talking. Just keep talking. I have no... What? You are a terrible, terrible person. I can't talk on my own. That's that's why I have you here. You're supposed to be my support. Just keep talking. <laughs> you keep talking. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just going to pause this. So you did it. No, you don't even need to pause it. You did it. Yes, I... Oh, what? Yeah, you no, did I it. Because <laughs> now you're still on your phone. You're still looking up. See, you could talk by yourself. No, I can't. I'm just complaining at you. I'm not talking <laughs> by myself. Uh, okay, maybe... Yeah, pause it. Pause? I think okay, so. there we go. I figured it out. Uh, so I had absolutely zero luck. Um, womp, 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 womp. Yeah, I don't... 
I mean, if I were to venture a guess, I would probably guess that it was likely a rig that was created in After Effects. Uh... I just feel like the way that the characters move and the way that they kind of feel like 3D even though they're 2D kind of feels like something that would have been rigged up in After Effects. Alright. But that's just a wild guess. I was going to say, what could it be, uh, what is it, Toon Boom? The thing they used for Adventure Time? It's possible, but I feel like the way that the characters move and the animation style feels a bit different. All right. It is possible, though. So, uh, it's hard to say. I wish I could have found an article about it, but no luck. <coughs> yeah, it happens. There, there. Yeah. So, so we're now sitting at about an hour for this, I think it's a ten-episode series. Yeah. Um, I can't think of a whole lot of other things to say about it other than... I think you guys should go watch it, cause exactly, it's it's a fun series. There's a fun, there's some fun jokes in it, like uh, the fact that Retsuko gets really offended when somebody says she looks like a Sanrio character, which she, she is. is. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I genuinely can't think of anything else to say about this show, and I think that's really hard because I feel like. It's a rare moment to get me to the point where I can't say anything anymore. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I think it's a show that's easy to binge, because we watched it oh, all yeah. in one day. Yeah. like we, And it didn't we, even feel like it was a challenge. We, or... we started to watch it. Yeah, we were just watching it for like something to watch, and then but we're like, oh, By the over. end, it, it finished, and we're just going, wait, is, is, is that it? Yeah, like singles party <laughs> but uh yeah let's i'm gonna go ahead and pause it and let's just talk about what else we've been watching this season um well i am still not caught up on all my stuff surprise surprise i've been helping you with a bit of that though uh we are caught up on magical girl ore caught up on magical girl ore caught maho. up on maho Maho Shoujo Jojo. And Maho Shoujo Jojo Jojo. Magical Girl Ore. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the latest episode that came out by the time this episode goes out had a huge plot twist. Dun dun dun. <gasps> it was the butler all along. I knew it. That, Always blame the butler. That bastard. He's, pl he's probably played by Tim Curry. Hey, Tim Curry doesn't always play evil roles. Uh, who am I kidding? He always plays evil <laughs> roles. <laughs> uh, God, can we get a dub of that with Tim Curry as the bad guy, though? Can we? That'd be awesome. <laughs> uh, because Tim Curry is my favorite anime character. Well, yeah. <laughs> I mean, he he did voice uh, the king in The Cat Returns, wasn't it? Yeah, something like that. I know he was in The Cat Returns. As, uh, same with... Uh, what's his name? Carrie Yules? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Carrie Yules was also in... He was also the cat in Whisper of the Heart. Yep. Yep. I love knowing random facts. Uh... It is, it is pretty nice. Comes in handy. 
I got Tyler to watch Crunchyroll's really cheesy ass live action show it starring Pro TV. So cheesy. Uh, it's called like uh, uh Oh god, what was it? Anime called? crime Yeah, an anime detective crime or something. division or something like yeah. that. Yeah. It stars Pro ZD, the famous Viner who became famous YouTuber. Um, I just, I started watching it just because he was in it, to be honest. Dweeb. Uh, Pro ZD is probably one of the funniest people on the internet. He's pretty good. I'll give him that. I strive for that level of smugness. I don't know. So, so we're caught up on My Hero. We are caught up on My Hero, uh, which also just had a bombshell ending. So, uh... Yeah, like, seriously, I wasn't expecting... I kind of was, like, the name of the episode kind of gave away how it was going to end, but I wasn't expecting everything to just kind of drop the way it did. Yeah. So, I mean, I think one of my big issues with My Hero Aka is it always felt like the villains were never really much of a threat. I mean, the first season we see them deliver probably, like, this absolutely flawless plan, and... Ultimately, they lose just because they're bad guys. You know, like, All Might just defeats them because he's All Might, and the students win because they're heroes. And we never really got the satisfying idea that these villains were really much of a threat. They were beat by a bunch of kids that barely know how to use their quirks. And a guy who is bleeding to death, you know, like... Uh, the second season, really the only villain we got too much interaction with was stain and even the way stain treated the main villains was just kind of like they were just useless he didn't believe in their cause he they couldn't really control him for their benefits stain just he was his own threat and the villains were almost you know comedic relief and so now we're getting into this third season where initially we're given the first real sense that these villains are bad guys and that was at the summer camp and i think that was the first time i actually genuinely felt that these are real villains and these are you know genuine threats and then the latest episode starts spoilers you guys uh latest episode starts basically the heroes coming in and you know taking ass and kicking pretty much like instantly detaining everyone yeah just clearly you know five steps ahead of the villains and again we're left with this idea of like man these villains just kind of suck at doing their job they they're completely defenseless and then everything goes to shit and we get to see for the very first time a situation where the biggest heroes in the series have genuinely failed yeah and we even see we also get a glimpse at the the big bad we also get something that kind of to me felt a bit like dark but we get to see ragdoll who was just kind of a bystander in this whole situation uh she i believe she had her quirk stolen it's what it seems like because when when the guy comes in what is it one for all or yeah. all for one, whoever. I think all for one. Uh, yeah. The bad guy. No, it's one, it's one for all. No, it's it's all for one because his power is he 
can steal quirks. He could steal quirks, and then he could pass them on to other people. Yeah, whereas All Might's one for all is him, one person, being for everyone, like being a hero for everyone. I'm going to look it up because I think you're wrong. Okay, look it up. I'm pretty sure I'm right. But yeah, you, you see that the the one hero, you know, he comes in, the, the villain comes in, and he mentions, oh yeah, like, I I took, you know, I she has such a unique power, I took it. You know, he just mentions it like that. Any luck? Yeah, give me one second, sorry. Alright, I'll just pause, I guess. Okay. Say that again? Okay, yeah, you're right. So, uh, One for All is the one that uh, the main character, Deku, has, and All for One is the one that the villain has. Yeah. Okay. I wasn't sure, like, because it just seems like they go back and forth between those two powers so much that it just gets confusing. Yeah. But no, you're right. So, yeah, uh, I feel like the series finally reached this point for me where I'm genuinely hooked. Like, I always thought it was, like, a good show, but... I always felt like it was just, like, good. Yeah. I feel like this latest episode, for me, was the point where I'm just like, this, to me, feels like everything now, is now, now you're starting to feel invested. Yeah, exactly. Like, I I like the characters. I thought the villains were okay. Never really felt like this series was finding its stride, and now I feel like it absolutely is. So. Yeah. See, I know I've been harsh on this series, you guys. I know. I actually did vote for it for a lot of categories from the awards last year, although I still feel like it won way more than it deserved. Uh, yeah, but... I agree. <laughs> like, I, I love the show, but I, I can agree it won more than it should have. Yeah. So, moving on to... Uh, what else have you been watching? Um, let's see. There was... What was the, what's the name of that one show that... Uh, it just parodies all the gotcha games. Oh, uh, last period. That one I've I'm I've kind of dropped. I haven't really. It's it's been put on the back burner. I'm I thinking I might watch a few more episodes. Yeah. But it just it hasn't kept me wanting to watch it. I dropped it. Um, not because I think it's bad, but because I think like it's just, it's further down on the list. I think it's cute. I think it's enjoyable. I think. There's definitely a strong target audience for it, especially if you want something that's just kind of fun and lighthearted to watch. Especially if you want to watch anime with your kids, or if anime is not something you're super invested in, but you maybe you want to just watch something. Yeah. I feel like Last Period's pretty good for all of that stuff. Kind, kind of just a, a silly little comedy. Yeah, like, absolutely. Something you don't need to get super invested into. Uh, speaking of silly little comedy, is probably the best show of the season. Hands down, something that I am super happy you got me into. Hina Matsuri. Right? I'm <laughs> loving Hina Matsuri. I cannot get over how good this show is. In fact, I was actually tempted to bring up the idea that we should do today's episode about Hina Matsuri and not about uh, Retsuko, but... I really wanted to talk about Sanrio, so... <laughs> of course. I don't mind. Yeah. Like I said, I just, I don't know Sanrio as much as you, so... Yeah, so I think uh, Hinamatsuri might be one that we tackle maybe as soon as the season is over. Yeah. On a uh, What You Should Watch episode. But you should really be watching it. <laughs> <laughs> you should. It's definitely a good one. 
I think the moment that I lost it was uh, this episode. It was the whole episode built up to this, too. Uh, this idea that Hina is told that she does have to go back to her world and somebody has come for her and she's just kind of trying to get her ducks in a row before she leaves and we're left with this scene with her and the character who's become her father figure at this point sitting in the car and he's she's you know basically pouring her heart out at this point like how hard it is for her to leave and he's kind of got to this point where he's just like damn I didn't feel like I I wasn't expecting to feel this way when I finally got to say goodbye to you you know like this really genuinely touching father-daughter moment between the two of them and so she arrives and the agent informs her that they can't go back because she's missing the device that would send her home. Someone done fucked up. So now they have to order new ones. And so she tells her you could go you could go home. Go, 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 go back home and spend time with Nita, your father figure. Yeah. And so she arrives and she's like, oh, I bet you he's going to be so happy to see me. He's probably in his apartment alone crying. You know, I wonder if he's drinking too much. He's, he's going to be overjoyed by the time I walk in. And, and she, she opens there. the door and there's Nita with his face. Well, watch out, Katie. I'm sorry. <laughs> with, with his face frozen, staring at her like in a position. He's opening a bottle of champagne. No, it was a little, little party popper. <laughs> he, party he is, popper. He is having a celebration he's, party of over the fact gone. that she's gone. <laughs> and he threw together this party... And, like, the span of, like, an hour. And it's literally just him there. Yeah, and so he's just standing there frozen, like, over the fact that he's literally standing under a banner that says, uh, goodbye, Hina, for good. <laughs> and you would think at this point she would either, like, storm out or throw a fit or something like that, and instead she's just, like, not cool. And the episode <laughs> just cuts out. <laughs> and I'm just, like... Dear God, it's me and Tyler. <laughs> <laughs> it's so great. <laughs> oh, yeah. And it's funny because, like, I started watching that show because, I don't know, it just, the description sounded, it just looked funny, really. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and you read you read read the description of it on, oh, I don't know, one of those, like, my anime list yeah. or whatever. And the and it doesn't sound anything like what the show actually <laughs> is, so I I was expecting something completely different, and it sh- gave me this, and I'm like, okay, this is gold. Yeah. Uh, any other really big anime we're watching this season are things that you've probably already been told are fantastic. Uh, between Hinamatsuri and uh. Golden Kamui. Uh, Golden Kamui actually hasn't been getting as much attention. Like, literally, the name just escaped me. Megalobox. Megalobox. That's a good one. Yeah. Uh, Megalobox and Hina Matsuri. Uh, Crunchyroll did, like, a like uh, worldwide sur- or a countrywide survey of, like, all the states, what they're watching throughout, like, the 50 states, and not including sequels or anything like that. Megalobox and Hina Matsuri were definitely the top runners followed... I think in third place was uh, the new Sword Art Online. Yeah. So. You know, it's, it's kind of funny, though. Like, I, I haven't really seen a lot of people talking about Hinamatsuri. Yeah. Like, it seems a lot of people are talking about the big one, like Megalobox and the Sword Art Online al- alternative. 
but no one's really talked about Hinamatsuri. Which is crazy, because it's just so good. But uh, the last thing, of course, I'm watching is the P5A. Uh, I, I didn't think I would say this during this season, but... Has the, it gotten good? The last episode was fantastic. <laughs> it was so good. Oh my god, I was I was absolutely ecstatic. I think the main scene, uh the episode is called Operation Maidwatch, and it's this point in the game where you find out that your homeroom teacher is working for a maid service that is basically a shady uh prostitute. Prostitution situation. ring. Yeah, like uh, the on the surface, their jobs are to do things like cooking and cleaning and stuff like that. But the maids are told to tell their clients that they're allowed to do extra services for more money, and so that she basically you're you basically find out that your teacher is a prostitute because you uh, called this maid service out of curiosity, because, and they sent your teacher <laughs> because teachers don't get paid enough. Uh, that's kind of the reason why she's doing it, actually. She's not making enough money because people are basically blackmailing her. And her teaching job doesn't cover the bills. So, uh, anyway, so you find out about this. And the way the anime did it was just... Not only did they pick the best possible voice lines that you can get from the game. But, God, the way they made this whole scene absolutely uncomfortable for the main protagonist was absolutely fantastic and it's not something you really get from the game because in the game you're literally standing in this room and the maid walks in and you just have these responses and you don't really see a lot going on other than when he turns around he sees that it's his homeroom teacher and she freaks out but in the anime you definitely see he's working up a sweat he's already figured out it's her He's just dishing out these bullshit lines that he could think of off the top of his head to try to dodge any, like, suspicion. And ultimately, like, when she is caught, he just kind of rubs it in her face. <laughs> and it's just, it was so well done. Uh, I also really liked another thing they did in this episode was, in the game, you get to, like, kind of rank up your friendships. And it usually takes a long period of time. It, you're going to go, like, most of the game trying to rank up these friendships because certain things only progress during certain parts of the game. The anime basically was just like, we're not dealing with this shit. We're going through Ryuji's entire story in, like, ten minutes. <laughs> and I actually really liked how they handled it because I felt like uh, a lot of the stories really don't need to be resolved near the end of the series. They could be resolved a lot earlier. So the fact that they're basically just showing you, like, the really key point highlights. And they're also using, like, the teacher's intel as a way for the main protagonist to get information on how to help his friends, I think, was also a good addition. And again, something that you don't get from the game. Because this game is 100 hours long. and At least 100 hours long. Yeah. Well, I mean, the minimum is, like, 80 hours if you suck. And you get the worst ending, but <laughs> but if you get the good ending, uh, it's about a hundred hours. So okay, but yeah, uh, so yeah, uh, P five A. You showed me that you are capable of doing something really fantastic. 
if you could get the dungeon scenes up to this quality, I think I will enjoy the rest of the series. Cool beans. The real world stuff is looking really good. <laughs> so I appreciate it. Uh, I I do want to talk about my glow box, but I think we might save that for another episode. There's yeah, just so much I, I want to talk I don't, about. I don't feel like we need to touch everything we're watching every episode. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, also, Megalobox is just, it's already being hyped the shit out of. I've seen literally every, like... Every major YouTuber so, and... YouTuber and social media page and, like, even BuzzFeed. <laughs> like, talking about the series, so... Oh, my BuzzFeed. I've seen numerous articles show up in my suggested on Facebook and Instagram. It's just it's if you are not already watching Michael Little Box, then stick around for one of our next episodes. We'll definitely start talking about it. Sure will. Like I said, it it's got the hype and I feel it deserves it, so Yeah, absolutely. So also, uh for those of you who are regular listeners, take a drink every time I say the word absolutely. I appreciate it. Absolutely. It doesn't count if you say it. Why not? Because... I, I want people to drink I make when, the rules. I want people to drink when I say things. I make the rules. Take a drink now. You take a drink now. Maybe I will. All right. Well, we appreciate you guys listening to us, and we're going to sign out. Yep. Weeb out, guys. Bye.